1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Hey, Raising Rebels family. Thank you all for tuning in. The feedback has been incredible. We are so excited to have Raising Rebels out in the world and know that it's connecting with so many people. Our goal is to build community and to free our children. So please share this podcast. Follow us on social media at Raising Rebels Pod on Instagram and join our special private Facebook group where we invite parents to continue the discussions from each episode. We love hearing you. So continue to DM us and contact us at our website, co backslash Raising Rebels. Blue, how how is your mental health? I
2: feel like prepared to go into a spiral, a mind spiral. You ever done that? You're, you're going to spiral
0: into insanity?
2: Yes. Yes, I am.
0: Do you, do you worry often that you're going to spiral into
2: insanity? I'm afraid eventually I'm going to break. Yes.
0: Hi, I'm your host, Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Each episode of Raising Rebels features courageous conversations with parents and my three girls, Glory, Moxie, and Blue. Today, we are joined by one of my friends, tech expert, entrepreneur, Glenn Holland. Welcome, Glenn.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Good to be
0: here. Today, we are talking about mental health and how we teach our children to be in care of their emotional selves the podcast by thinking about how we're feeling so give me one word to describe how you're feeling right now i am feeling
3: i would say cautiously hopeful
0: okay i am feeling oh my gosh i can't think of a word give me a minute i'm sorry <laughs> i don't think this has ever happened how am i feeling right? let me get it it's interesting the day we're talking about mental health that i'm like Having a hard time tapping in. Um, I think I'm feeling like, like I don't know what that means. I don't know how to give words to that, but it's like, (laughs) "Mm." yeah, tight, maybe? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, Glenn, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Okay. I am originally from Brooklyn. I grew up not far from here actually. As I was driving here we were talking about just how much Brooklyn has changed mm-hmm. and as you probably so I sent mm-hmm. you an email I said I'd like to take some time to rediscover Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So that was um it was nice mm-hmm. to rediscover Brooklyn, to sit in Brooklyn and not feel the same way I felt uh, mm. when I left Brooklyn, which mm-hmm. is I'm leaving this place and I'm never coming back and I won't miss it. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. We're going to get uh, we're um, going to get into all of that. There are people who are so, listening here and you say
0: that right now and they're like, huh? It's yeah, going to be well, so good. We're going to get into all that. Go ahead.
3: Um, so I've always been in tech pretty much since I was 12 years old. <clears throat> one of the thing one of the reasons why I moved out of Brooklyn is because I was adamant about the Brooklyn of then, not Mm -hmm. the Brooklyn of now, not raising kids in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up in Long Island and um, that's pretty much, I stayed in Long Island until about maybe five years ago and Mm -hmm. now I'm in Hackensack. Awesome. My lovely girlfriend, Lisa Lowe.
0: Awesome, awesome. Tell us a little bit about your children.
3: I have uh, twins, two 17 year olds who will be 18 um, years old this year. Actually, in a few months. Wow. Um, they're opposites in a way that oppos that um, brothers are opposites, mm-hmm. but in a very, very significant way. And I guess that happens with a, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them's headed to Rutgers. The other one is um, still trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. He's doing a he's doing a good job, mm-hmm. um, but his, his struggle is similar to um, a lot of people's struggles. Mm-hmm. Similar to my. Um, brother's struggle Mm -hmm. and similar to my father's struggle to Mm -hmm. my uncle's struggle and that obviously is what we're here to talk about is mental illness. Awesome. Um, So they're doing great but they have theirs.
0: Well we're here together. Uh, Today when um I was preparing and thinking about the conversation around mental health. I thought a lot about the conversations I'm often having with young people about their mental health and how do they take care of themselves and how do they talk to their parents and how do they know how they're feeling. And something that comes up often is as young people, adolescents, teenagers particularly, talk about what's challenging, they talk about being blocked they don't use that term, but they'll say things like, I don't have the words, or I don't know how to feel, or I can't talk to my parent, or just there's something I'm trying to get through to on the other side that I can't reach. And I feel kind of closed. Like I feel kind of stuck. I feel kind of (laughs) blocked, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so in thinking about um, getting ready for our conversation, I asked um, all guest parents to do recollections And the point of doing the recollection is to get us in touch with our childhood selves. Many times when we're thinking about parenting, we think about like who we are now uh, versus what our children are experiencing. So today I asked you to do a recollection of a time that you felt blocked and what feelings came up then. What do you remember? um, How it impacts your parenting now. So do you want to share your story?
3: Yeah, I I think the first thing um, that comes to my head is Think I was about—I'm going to estimate. I don't think I was in junior high school yet, so I'm going to say I was maybe ten years old. And uh, my father had called a family meeting, and the family meeting was a little weird. It's probably the first family meeting that I remember. And what he said was, when we sat down, he said, "All right, so you know, I just want to talk about this family, and I just, you know, I'm not." I'm not really sure it's kind of like what's going on. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just feel like, you know, this this family, it it, it isn't going right. Like mm-hmm. things are, you know, pretty bad and, you know, things don't seem to be going right. And if anybody, you know, has anything to say or, you know, can kind of say, you know, what the problem is, you know, now's a good time. Right. Oh, wow. And. If I had to think back at a time that I was blocked, I'd say that's it because I can remember to this day in my mind saying repeatedly, you're the problem.
1: Mm -hmm. You're the problem.
3: The problem is you, you are the problem. You're always angry. You always have a problem. You are the problem. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: I wasn't able, I didn't, I wasn't able to say that. Um, Without thinking about what the consequences Mm -hmm. Would be and Mm -hmm. I'm sure the consequences Even though we were in a Safe meeting Mm -hmm. about the family Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the consequences Of actually saying what was on My mind um, wouldn't Have been good and so I'd say that's at least one occasion That immediately comes to my mind where I feel Like there was something I absolutely Needed to say Mm -hmm. uh, as a Child and it wouldn't come out
0: You like my feeling has changed My feeling is like gratitude now <laughs> like <laughs> that's how i'm feeling in space because i just i'm so grateful for your level of like you just you're just bringing it and we just started i'm so excited um so so i'm feeling grateful and excited i've moved past yeah. the sound <laughs> so when i thought about being blocked um and what you your story that you just told resonated with me. I could think of many times as a young person that I wanted to say something and I could. I felt like I couldn't, even when people were saying, "Say the thing." Um, but when I was remembering the thing that came up for me is that I am I I'm dyslexic. I did not discover that I was dyslexic until I was at Howard University, so in college. So mm-hmm. somehow I, I got there, <laughs> um, and which is just really interesting and a whole other topic and story, another another episode. But what happened, I remember when I was young, I really wanted to write. Like I had so many ideas and thoughts. I used to make cards for everyone in my family all the time. Like Like that was like my thing to do. I would write poems, I would make them cards. I would like, I just loved doing it, but I couldn't spell. And I knew like a word would come in my mind that I wanted to say like, I don't know, inspired or Mm -hmm. um, casually. Like I can't like, just like my brain could think of these words, Mm -hmm. but I could not spell them. And so I would like make it smaller, right? Like I would wanna say I am exhausted and I would say I am feeling sad. You know, like words that were very (laughs) like accessible to me. And I always felt so blocked Mm -hmm. around my ability to fully express what was going on in my mind, and my art, and my creativity, and um, it was really hard. It 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 continued to be hard for me throughout my life. I mean, sometimes even now, thank heaven for spell check and <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> voice to text and all this technology that exists now. Um, because who I am. I get to express in words in ways that are true to me, but for so long, that was just not, I mean, it's how I discovered that I was dyslexic. I was in a class, this amazing professor whose name I cannot remember right now. She, I turned in a paper and she said to me, I think you're dyslexic. And I was like, well, I'm telling, like what? You know, tell me, and it it wasn't crazy. Like when Mm -hmm. she said it, it didn't like sound foreign, but I was like, tell me more. And she's like, I speak to you. I know how you, Think I know what words Mm. and your paper, it's fine, but it doesn't reflect your brilliance. And I was Mm. like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, Mm. and then and there's no diagnose. There's nothing you can do. It's just like Mm. an it's just information for you to have about Mm. things that you've already figured Mm -hmm. out how to 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 do. But it was freeing around. Oh, there's a thing here. Um, And when I think about this conversation about mental health that idea of knowing that there is something that's happening that is outside of first of all my control and then also my understanding and also no one else understands it at when i when i found out as a you know a young adult it it was freeing i wonder how it would have impacted me when i was young
1: yeah.
0: um because i have a daughter um who is dyslexic also and what it has done for her, where I'm like, oh, good, you know, so young, yeah. because you can do something about it or you can engage with the world and know yeah. it's not you, it's this dyslexia yeah. and her response to it is very different. Her response is like, she doesn't want to know. Like she's like, it's just, it, I'm broken and I can, and I know the name of what my brokenness is. Yeah. And so we're constantly trying to have conversations about like, like that. And so I wonder if I guess like where I want to start with our conversation is, did you have words and language for the things that you were feeling or the things that the people in your family and the mental health issues that were going on and like all of the stuff was going on? Did you have words for it?
3: Well, um, growing up, uh, we're talking about me growing up, right? Growing up, I don't think the mental health issue was recognized. And I think that happens a lot uh, across. I'm just going to say, um, I don't have the statistics for this, but black families Mm -hmm, back then, right? mm -hmm. Where you looked at an issue and you said, oh, that's a mental health issue. Looking back and speaking, of course, with my family now, we can can easily say, hey, my father had a mental issue. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. His brother's, had, had mental issues. A lot of them did things where we would just consider them crazy, mm-hmm. but they were actually mentally um, ill. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at, as we, as we kind of progressed and we grew up a bit, as my younger brother turned, I think 17 or 18, mm-hmm. he started to kind of have mental health issues, mm-hmm. which we still kind of ignored. He would kind of, his, his behavior was erratic, but you know we just call people hard-headed. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We had one definition for all mental illness, which was hard-headed. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so it wasn't until I was uh, tw- over in my 20s where I could kind of like look at him and say, "No, this is a little more." You know, when mm-hmm. he when he looks at me, things I, I've known him since, you know, since he was a baby and mm-hmm. things look a little different now. Mm-hmm. His eyes don't look the same. Mm-hmm. He doesn't follow me the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble following his conversation. Mm-hmm. So I could say to myself, you know, and outside the context of other people saying, hey, he's just crazy. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, something's just wrong with him. I could say to myself, no, this is a mental illness that someone he can talk to someone about. Perhaps there may be something mm-hmm. that um, can, you know, someone may be able to help him with. But prior to that, there was no feeling of I can change anything because there was no real definition of mm-hmm. there being a problem. Mm-hmm. Just hard headed people and they'll get what's coming to them mm-hmm. for being hardheaded.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you? I want to like backtrack a little bit more because when we think about mental health, um, this like this big umbrella term, right? And really, it is at it's hard. It's like feelings and how you're processing feelings, how you're able to talk about your feelings, how you're able to understand what your feelings and how what you're feeling is is what how that's hitting up against the world that you're in how that's hitting up against mm-hmm. what people's expectations are of you how um yeah just how you understand all of who you are and something that I was thinking also from my childhood is this idea of like just starting from a place of like being able to have feelings you know like before we even get into like as we get older and like those feelings start to get confusing mm-hmm. or they don't make sense or you don't even understand them for yourself How, like, when you were young, did you get to have feelings? Um, And so that's a question I have for you. When you were a young person, did you get to have your feelings?
3: Yeah, I definitely say say yes, I got to have my feelings as a young person. Um, And I think, um, unfortunately for most people, my feelings um, all bundled up to one sort of definition, which was anger. Mm. And so it w- I wasn't able to take different pieces of what's happening in my life mm-hmm. and say, hey, you're disappointed about this. Or, hey, you know, this is happening with, let's say, like your mother and you feel like you feel hopeful for her that mm-hmm. these things might happen. Mm-hmm. Not, that I definitely had a lot of feelings, but... Um, You know, I think my feelings all translated into anger and they all translated into, in a sense, in that time, a a imitation of what, you know, the mental illness that you see, because uh, and one of the things that I I just I want to talk about as we talk about mental illness is Mm -hmm. that. Mental illness is hereditary in different manners. Like uh, people talk about mental illness and they say it's hereditary in the sense that it may come down in your genes. Mm-hmm. But there is also mental il- mental illness in the sense that as you behold someone, as you grow up with someone that behaves a certain way in a certain and a per- person, acts a certain way and you begin to see that constantly, your reaction, your thinking and your reasoning become very similar to that person.
0: I'm going to, like, interject. So you're saying that when you were a young person, you had a lot of feelings, but the way they were expressed is through anger?
3: Yeah, yeah. They all kind of bundled up into one emotion. Even though there could have been 30 of them, there was one emotion, which is anger.
0: And do you have an understanding of why that was?
3: I think, um, I I can only think, but, I mean, looking back, I would say that, It's because not many other types of emotions were kind of discussed back then within the black community, right? Mm-hmm. You, anything that happened, you're just angry.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That person got really angry. or That person got mm-hmm. really tight, and mm-hmm. that person really flipped out about this. That's so funny. The, that's what
0: the word I used to describe how I was feeling in the beginning of the show. yeah tight, Yes. Yes. yes.
3: Uh, but you know, so that and that's which why, wasn't
0: angry, but wasn't what really angry. wasn't it, angry, it, it but it was just, a thing. You know, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And even as I um, as I got older, I realized that I was still kind of using. The same definition for everything. Yeah, it was any feeling that that I had um, would always be defined yes. as anger. Right. And so, um, so I, I would say I definitely had emotions. As I look back, I could say I was scared. Yes. You know, I I heard a song, a country song. I was listening to. You heard a country song. I, I love country <laughs> music. Side note, I love country I music. Love I time. love it. I love so
0: it. I love it. So I was
3: listening to a country song that reminds me of me and my brother. That And, that, and when I listen to it, it's hard not to choke up. Mm-hmm. But it's a guy, he's looking at a picture of him. Actually, his, his son, I think, is looking at a picture of his dad when he's younger. And he realizes the picture is of him and his brother. Mm. And he tells him, that's me and your uncle trying to grow up. And he's like, You know, you can't see everything that's happening in that picture, right? It seems like it's all black and white, but trust me, there was much more to that. That was me and your brother just trying to survive, right? Wait, this is all in the song? Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Oh,
0: yes. It's a beautiful song. What's the name of the song? It's called
3: um, In Color. It's called In Color. That's a beautiful name. It it is really good. It is really good. Um, (laughs) But it reminds me. It reminds yeah. me, when I hear the song, I think about me and my brother in the room and everything that's going outside of the room that we hear, that we're listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, if I show you a picture of us in our room, you'll never know, right? Mm-hmm. But we know we were trying to survive. Mm-hmm. We had to get through that period, you mm-hmm. know? So, there, there, and that was fear. That mm-hmm. wasn't anger back then. Mm-hmm. When you're young, you know, you, you, no. you have much more then anger when you're young, Absolutely. you have all kinds of other emotions. And then slowly, slowly they kind of creep until, creep up into one emotion. And I think that's what I that's
0: mean, what I happened. think it's like, it's what you're allowed, yeah, especially <laughs> as a, a black man, um, even for black women, right? Like the angry black women, like the only thing you're really allowed is anger um, versus the complexity of all of the feelings that you're having. And I want to say, I mean when I was a young person I definitely feel like I got to have a lot of feelings also like and express a lot of feelings but then different from I like different from what you described I think there was a well maybe it is similar but this feeling of like how I express my feelings were going to have negative impacts on other people like do they have space for it and I start to block myself right like I start to I want to make my dad happy. I want him to come over. So I'm not going to be fully this thing um, because there's no space for it. Or i really see my mom struggling right now. And so I want to, I don't want to add to it. Um, But you're having all of those feelings also at the same time and like thinking about how that works. So now fast forward, you have these two boys. Do you allow them to have their feelings?
3: I do my absolute best at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, I'm going to throw it out there, in my opinion, I think I've done a good job because I'm constantly frustrated by the feelings that they have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like
3: it, I hear things that I don't want to hear. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, I have to deal with things that I wish I didn't deal with and I can see how not knowing a lot of things Mm -hmm. is, uh, a lot simpler as a parent. Absolutely. Um, but I will say that I, that being the case, I'm still really happy that I took this path. Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to have a path that's a a lot, a lot more painful Mm -hmm. for me, a lot more sleepless nights. But when there is an emotion that's there that, um, is not, or may not be expressed to someone else, that no one else is there that the, parent can f- the child can feel comfortable talking to about mm-hmm. that emotion and know that the response will be based in love.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It won't be based on anything else. Um, I'm glad that I, I, I'm there to hear it and mm-hmm. listen to it and have the chance to respond to it, whether it's listened to mm-hmm. immediately and heard immediately, but I think that is an absolute um, precious thing to to have as a parent.
0: I definitely appreciate that you you named the, like, it's the harder route. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think sometimes it feels to our community, people of color, oppressed people, black people, that when you are allowing your children space to express themselves, you're actually being, like, loose or slack or, like, it's... it's I don't know if they necessarily think it's easier, but it's like not appropriate or it's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or you have to control their most, like how they're communicating. And it's such, it's so hard. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a label. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot. What makes you think you might break?
2: Cause I do the thing where I spiral. You see me spiral. Like I'll be worried about something and then I'll just like spiral to the worst possible scenario and we'll just like, go down a rabbit hole. And then eventually, I feel like I'm going to think so much that my brain will break. Because I think a lot. Wait, doesn't our parents always telling us, oh, go back to the worst scenario that could possibly happen. And then you do that, and then you, you, you don't feel as bad. Doesn't that happen? It happens when I tell people to do it. But it doesn't happen with me. Because my worst case scenario is never rational. Like, my boyfriend, I was, like, I was asking him, think of the worst-case scenario, and he says, like, everyone dies, and he was joking, but for me, that's where I, like, actually go to, like, I'll be nervous about going to the movie theater, and I'll be like, the movie will be horrible, I'll faint in the movie, it'll be super embarrassing, yada, 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 I'll pass out, um, get hit by a train that runs through the movie theater somehow, even though we're, like, on the top floor, like I'll just spiral to the worst case scenario, and then I'll start- pro- and then I'll start hyperventilating and then I can't breathe and then yeah, that sounds very cartoony What do you do to deal with your um anxiety? I have fidget toys, and then I just have unhealthy habits, like eating
0: you you eat your feelings
2: when they're anxiety, yes. What positive ways do you deal with your anxiety? Fidget toys, breathing. Five seconds of no thinking, and then you've already done it, and it's too late. Then you just have to ride that train. What do you mean five seconds of not thinking? It's like jumping off of a plane.
0: When you're ready to pop the question,
1: the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: You have two boys. I have three girls. There's a lot of feelings. <laughs> there's a, there's yeah. There are a lot of feelings that are happening um, in our space. And sometimes those feelings are like atoms, you know, knocking up against each other, creating a lot of energy yeah. <laughs> that can't be contained. Um, and it. Trickles out, you know. I'm watching. I'm watching Chernobyl right now. So Adams uh, Chernobyl. and uh, Chernobyl <laughs> and and radiation all is big in my head. But like, um, it's that kind of thing. Like you just like it's hitting up against each other, and it has a lot of impact and effect. And for my girls, sometimes that's what's hard, what's challenging about the way they express their feelings is the talking to about. Like I'm feeling this, and I want to talk about it. We, I can do that. What it takes to get to the talking to. Is a journey. So we don't come home and like, oh, how are you feeling? Like, oh, mom, today so and so said this, and it really hurt my feelings, and I'm feeling a little stressed out. I'm like, no, 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 no. We come home, and there's a lot of expressing of those feelings mm-hmm. that I then have to decipher. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a lot of like moodiness. Sometimes it's crying for no apparent reason. Sometimes it's locking ourselves in the bathroom. Sometimes nothing's can't eat anything. Nothing is right. I'm not like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just not you. You know, like you're not you settled or like in your space, but it's not obvious. And then when I'm coming home and I also am having lots of feelings and I'm also distracted by like my like the life and like what's happening in the world, you kind of have to so slow down and have the capacity and the energy and the space to like see, oh, you're trying, you're trying to show me something. You're trying to tell me something. You're trying to tell me something. You're trying to communicate something to me. Oh, wait a minute. And then sometimes I'll ask and I'll have to ask many, many times. It's funny, um, I know there's like <laughs> I'll laugh about this because I'm that parent who like like I'll force a conversation. You know, there's other parents like so other people like, I'll ask and if they're not ready, I'll give them time. I don't give anybody because I don't have it, and mm-hmm. I might forget to come back to it. Okay. And so I'm like, you're obviously upset right now. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Nothing. I'm fine. It, okay, come sit down. And when you're ready to tell me, Mm -hmm. you can, but we're not moving from this space until you do. And they'll get to it really quick. The youngest one, so I have like three, right? One is 13, 11, and then the seven-year-old. The seven-year-old, she's the hardest to crack. Like she is like Fort Knox (laughs) with those feelings. You cannot, like, she'll have a face like, I'm fine, I'm fine, what? And then like, all right, give me a hug. And physical touch Mm -hmm. breaks her like, like she's just the weeping, the yeah. all the things it just like comes out. But if if she doesn't touch you and you don't touch her, she could probably go all night. Like she could be hardcore yeah. forever. Um, and then with Moxie is much more giving of the feelings, and Blue is like eye contact. Like she mm. can't. She's such an honest person. Like she cannot look you in your eyes and not like let it flow.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So how do your boys? express their feelings
3: um one of them so let's talk about the youngest the youngest well and i say it's so interesting i know
0: but it's a real thing the second one to come out i know the twins is real though who's the the youngest youngest, oldest is a real thing it's a real thing
3: so um he is very careful Mm -hmm. he's very here's a little hint Mm. um probe more Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, so this is what I'm actually trying to say, but don't go too deep into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the you know I'm the conductor. You know, like I'll conduct this conversation. I'll he say, will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, yeah, the he's conductor, like I will. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I'll mention this thing, and now now you do your job. And that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I texted you and I asked you this very simple question. Um, and as an example, the question. If I remember correctly, was how do I get a more optimistic attitude?
0: He called. He, he texts you texted you this.
3: Actually, texted These me children, that. Right?
0: I mean, I gotta. <sighs> okay, sorry. Yes. So, no, uh huh. Uh-huh.
3: So you know, and as as a parent, mm-hmm. right, you have to understand that that is not a question that you ignore. <laughs> right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Does it make a difference how yeah. many things you're doing? You're yes. like, wait, what is this? Yes. You know, there there, yes. there was something behind. Absolutely. That, right. So, um, you know, as that, so that's an example. But once we start the conversation and, you know, I kind of get as a parent, you always you always get a feel for what this means. He wants to talk about a certain thing and you know, certain things are going on. And just to give you some background, um, their mother is also mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So ha- understanding the impact on the child mm-hmm. um not only because their mother's mentally ill, but because I have um, custody and mm-hmm. I've had custody now, and she hasn't really been able to see them. Mm-hmm. And when they see her, she's still mentally ill, mm-hmm. and she speaks in that manner. There's no way for me to understand the impact. I don't know it. Yeah. Um, so the only way for me to know it or guess at it is to is through my conversations with them.
0: But you know it because I, you you lived it.
3: I don't I don't know the impact of having I, I never had a mother that did that was she, was she was unable to base her conversations in reality. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a mother that I cared about deeply. I had Mm -hmm. a mother that I, not that they don't, Mm -hmm. but I had a mother that um, as far as I was concerned, her biggest issue was the man in her life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was what I worried about. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a mother where I, where I would have conversations with her, where the things she would say, I would have to pretend as if they made sense Mm -hmm. because, I mean, let's be, Mm -hmm. I personally feel to have a conversation Like, as an example, one of my sons who is mentally ill, Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with him a few weeks ago that was just heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. the conversation wasn't based in reality. Mm -hmm. And to see someone that you love and knowing that their brain is so out of focus at Mm -hmm. the moment That you have to figure out how in your how can you possibly navigate them Mm -hmm. back to focus? And in a lot of cases, you don't Mm -hmm, know how. mm -hmm. Is I know that it's difficult, so I have to think about how difficult can it be for the kids. And the only way for me to really know that is for them to tell me.
0: I want to, I guess what I mean when absolutely everything you said, absolutely. And I think what I mean when I say you know is that many times as, um, oppressed people, which I think we are, um, we don't necessarily understand how resourceful, like how resourceful the experiences that we have are to make connections. So we might not know exactly, you know, like you may not know exa- exactly what you said, like you might not know exactly what it feels like to have a mother, but you know what it is to love someone, mm-hmm. right? You know what it is to depend on someone and you know what it is to, um, just want something from someone yeah. and they can't meet you. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And yeah. so, regardless of the details of it, there's a way that just your openness and your, like what you're describing right now, mm-hmm. comes from empathy and yeah. a connection, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that's yeah. kind of what I'm speaking mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Absolutely. But you're bringing something of your experience, something that in some ways you've healed. Like, yeah. I think I don't You know. We've talked a lot about this outside of this podcast, but there's a way that in healing those things that you spoke about in your with your brother and your father and all of these things, you're able to bring yourself fully to mm-hmm. your son's experiences. And yeah. so I think that's a gift.
3: Yeah. So so that's that's pretty much the way Darius I said his name.
0: It's okay. Uh-huh. That's we pretty all much say, the way
3: my youngest... We uh, all say... Resp- the, we all, everyone comes here, they say the kid's <laughs> yeah. name. Because we're
0: having a... Comp- we're okay. here. It's pretty say- much
3: the way he it's- responds.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. So it, it's a very careful, very... Let him express himself. And as he expresses himself, then I can kind of clue into what it is he's asking for and then kind of work. Um. Uh, my oldest is a lot different. And which... And he kind of was the um, case study for no matter how much you're kind of like talking to your kids Mm -hmm. and no matter how much you're listening to them and feel in and think you're being open Mm -hmm. there are some things that they'll still keep from you Mm -hmm. Um, and I found this out I guess um, um, a few months ago Mm -hmm. when he had a few episodes um, his first kind of episode that kind of told me that something wasn't exactly right, it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily him just misbehaving, mm-hmm. um, even though I treated it that way. But he had two episodes which were very in close proximity to each other in terms of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And when he had the second episode, was which was pretty much just a blow up at a place, when I pulled up to see him, he wasn't angry he was sobbing and, mm-hmm. and crying mm-hmm. and I was looking at him and he went and got in, the, he got in the car and then he came back out and he continued trying to explain to the person that he had the big fight with what had happened and I was confused as to why he would even care. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a fight is a fight, um, but he was really concerned with the person understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was driving home with him, he... Be, he talked to me in a manner that I hadn't heard before. He he basically he told me that the when I pulled up, he felt better because he saw the only person that loves him. Hmm. And I, I never, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, mm-hmm. how, how long you know a person, you never know what's really inside of them because the first thing I said to myself is, how could you, you know, how could you think that? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we, and then when we got home, he started kind of going into, so he's the open book. Mm-hmm. He, you don't have, once he starts rolling, you don't, you, you, you can just listen. Mm-hmm. So he started going into more of, you know and he used the word overwhelmed Mm -hmm. repeatedly Mm -hmm. never heard that word from him Mm -hmm. and so that was I hope um, part of him feeling that the deepest things that were happening with him right now he felt that he could tell me Mm -hmm. Um, and -hmm. so I didn't have to you know, find out from someone else. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to suddenly see some really big thing happen and then the psychiatrist comes and tells me, Mm -hmm. these are all the things that are Mm -hmm. um, wrong with your son. Um, So I was fortunate in that sense um, to feel when I was done with the conversation that I felt confident that I knew how he ended up the person that he is Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So, so the, it's been good in that sense, because as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, my own experiences growing up um, were more blocking mm-hmm. and they may have been blocking. in just in terms of my own internal feelings that I can't say these things. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it was also my mother. because I remember just one time, just a quick aside, that I actually did lose it. Because my father had, he was in the process of beating one of my little brother. Mm-hmm. And I was listening mm-hmm. in the kitchen and I was standing in with my mother and we were both just listening. And mm-hmm. if you ever hear someone getting whipped, it is not a pleasant um, thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I'm listening, you know, inside of me, I'm getting, I'm just, the rage is growing. And mm-hmm. my mother says to me, Oh no. So I don't realize I say this out loud, but I say I guess with all the rage I can that someone needs to hurt him. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mother just screaming, "Hey!" You know, Mm -hmm. just staring at Mm -hmm. me in full shock. But I didn't realize that I had even said it. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a sense, there was a part of me that knew that what I was really feeling, I couldn't say. Mm
0: -hmm. You
3: know, there was kind of. But when you,
0: isn't it? Isn't it like? something that i've learned through therapy and we're going to like i really want to talk about like how we address and think about dealing with all these emotions and mental health issues and something that i've um learned through therapy is this idea that your subconscious is on your side and that you you know i've i've lived so much of my life trying to suppress the things that felt like they didn't say that th- they were they were hard. Like they were telling me or showing me things that I don't want to see, and so it's like my subconscious self is like a ghost that I like. Am, oh, I see that ghost over there. I oh, don't like. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. And then I learned through therapy I idea, like no, your whole self, your dreams, your se- it's all here for you, and it wants you to thrive. And it had completely shifted my thinking around, like. I'm, I, I have the tools. Like my, like it will, my deep down self will scream out to tell me you need to save me. And it sounds like for you, when you were a young person, your subconscious was like, no, you gotta, exp- like there's something you're mm-hmm. feeling here. And we've been trying to hold, you've been trying to stuff it down mm-hmm. here. And I'm going to like, yeah. I'm going to sneak it out. Mm-hmm. When you're not, when you're so <laughs> angry and you're so enraged, yeah. I'm going to sneak it out. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to call for help. And sometimes when we make those calls for help, our our grownups can't meet us, right? Mm-hmm. Like our grownups can't can't meet us. They just aren't because they're healing. They're suffering from their own forms mm-hmm. of like yeah. mental health, right? It's, issues, yeah. right? Their mm-hmm. stresses. They're they're coping in all kinds of other ways. And I think that what your son is saying, like I can imagine, which is overwhelming. Like I'm the only person that you think loves you. Is like when I my subconscious puts out that that the the signal, mm-hmm. the bad signal, you respond. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think language is such a tricky thing because we only have the words we have. You know what I mean? We only know the words we have, but it's probably bigger than you're the only person that loves me. It's like might be like you're the only person that still can hear me mm-hmm. through the through the f- fog or the mm-hmm. cloud. Um many times my girl's like the youngest one, all three of them actually, will come at different times and say, "Like I just have to talk to you." You know, like there's no like there's they, they have each other. They have their there's all kinds of people that are resources for them, but they'll get to be like these particular things or moments of like, "Now nah, I, I I need I need I need you, and I need your undivided mm-hmm. attention around this particular thing." Mm-hmm. I remember one time, I don't even know what was going on with Moxie particularly. I can't even remember it, but she said something to me. Then she called her grandmother and said it to her grandmother. Then she called a meeting about it with the family. And then finally I was like, oh, you need to talk to me. You know, it's like, oh, you're, you're going through all these different ways to like say I need to talk to you. And she really did. And we sat and we talked and we processed and we got, but it took much more. She, you know, she... She's like, I am a middle child. She's the middle child. And there's a way like they cope mm-hmm. um, and I coped. And so, but when she needed me, herself was like, I'm going to just do everything I can to get your attention. So I think that like, that's huge. Um, Dad, you were going to say something. No, I was
3: going to say, and that is the, the importance of having someone like in our case, it's the parent mm-hmm. and. With, and I think one of the things I think that really helped me with with my um, with my son is my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, when like I mentioned, when I was about 27 or so my brother started having the same kinds of symptoms. And what I remember most, was that everyone pushed him away? Mm-hmm. Like there was there was no place he could go because he was just hard headed. Mm-hmm. That was it. Um, and even though people are saying no, it seems like something might be really wrong with him. Like I saw him on the street corner crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and as far as everyone is concerned, once he acts a certain way, and once he you know say gets kicked out of school, and once he you know is not really listening to what you're saying, you tell him to do one thing and he's doing something else. We, you're classified and not classified as being someone mentally ill. You're just classified by the family and by whoever as just being hardheaded and mm-hmm. stupid and blah, blah, blah. And I remember there was a time where he showed up to my front door almost unexpectedly, and he was kind of like standing there. And I remember looking at him and just saying, I can't. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I just And I just pointed at the couch and I said, Rest
1: mm-hmm. and
3: um and he ended up staying with me for a few months and I and again I'm young like mm-hmm. I don't really wasn't really paying attention to what it was mm-hmm. but what we did was we did simple things we went to breakfast we played basketball we went for runs in the park and then a few months later we he had a we-, we had a wedding and we went to the wedding and everyone kept asking what happened to Corey? And I'm looking over at him thinking, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, that was always Corey, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I understood that he was going through issues, Mm -hmm. but I always know this Corey, even I knew what he was doing, but this was the Corey. Mm Um, and it occurred to me that it was the fact that he was just relaxing, just not that no one was stressing and no one was saying, you better go do this or you better get out of here. I don't know where you're going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, And not that I don't understand that that happens mm-hmm. because mentally ill people can be extremely difficult to mm-hmm. deal with. But having someone that allows you the space when your mind is going at 100 miles an hour allows you the space to say okay I hear you Mm -hmm. I understand and I will be patient with you Mm -hmm. right I think is like extremely important and I learned that with my brother because Mm -hmm. I obviously I didn't know it would have that effect Mm -hmm. but it had a really good effect on him and so you know again I take that experience Mm -hmm. to um, raising my son now that and it's difficult you know Yes. It's difficult to remain patient, yes. and I'm not even going to pretend like I do all the time. Mm-mm. But I know that what I need to do always is come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I believe that that for, for anyone, whether your mental illness is hereditary in the sense that it's genetic mm-hmm. or your mental illness is in the sense that you're copying someone that you have seen and has convinced you a certain way, they need patience and mm-hmm. they need someone to understand that you know, you're with them and, you know, you'll help them.
0: So how have you talked to both your boys, right? Like, so one of your sons has something that would be diagnosed as mental illness. And then you have a child who's just a person in the world trying to figure out how to be a grown, you know, like how, (laughs) and also similar to you, right? Like has a sibling who is struggling in this way, but also is having their own, you know, reactions, development as part of that process. And so you're trying to guide both of these people in the world of how to like be. And so what has been some of your lessons, strategies, um, things that are, feel, yeah, like what are you doing?
3: Well, with my youngest, one of the things that I think I've had to talk to him about is understand that his brother's not faking. Mm. He's not just being annoying. Mm-hmm. He's not just prolonging the argument. He's not just doing things that um, irritate you because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how that's how he wants to be. Mm-hmm. He is genuinely not understanding what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And he is genuinely struggling right now with just life, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, although... <laughs> I know it's difficult, right? You have to um, understand that you have to put your irritation aside and mm-hmm. you have to say, what can I do right now to kind of help him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I explained to him that, and and not not in a sense to make him feel guilty, but I said to him, this is your brother, right? And God forbid something would have happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know that you did something. Mm-hmm. You have to know that, you weren't just irritated with him, mm-hmm. and you didn't just push him away every time he came around you. And do you tell you know, him your story uh, about my my parents? Yeah, no, they, about
0: your bro- like that story yeah, about, you told. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. How did he react yeah. to that?
3: Darius doesn't react much. <laughs> <laughs> he grunts
0: so you don't know he didn't share <laughs> he, he,
3: he, he no i i gauge his reaction yeah. based on his actions okay and so what he started doing was asking me questions when um when his older brother would be in his room like mm. he's in here and i'm irritated what should i do oh. <laughs> and i'd say you know um stop and dedicate one hour, oh. that's it. Just dedicate an hour. Just say, all right, I can't. Glenn, you're this- gonna make me cry in the this, in this <laughs> studio right now. I just wanna say that's, right now, you you're asked. gonna have me in full on
0: <laughs> tears in the studio right now.
3: So, but, but he would do it. I'd say just take out time, just dedicate one hour and then let him know after the hour that you're doing something, but.
0: I you, mean, you, the thing that is hitting me is that so few people get, much less adolescents, is a validation of his feelings. So you're not yeah. saying don't be irritated. Yeah. You're saying of course yeah, I know that is a real thing right mm-hmm. now. Like you you this is hard. You are irritated. Mm-hmm. You have a right to be irritated. Mm-hmm. That is a rational reaction to what's happening yeah. to you and here how how we lead with love. Like mm-hmm. how how and and not like give it all up. Like don't yeah. just like surrender your entire self <laughs> yeah. and like you know fall on the cross <laughs> or anything like that, but also where is the space? Mm-hmm. And you're teaching him how to like love himself. Mm-hmm. and love someone yeah, else. and, and who think is, about others yeah.
3: at the same time.
0: Yeah. Can you just like deal that out to like, <laughs> <laughs> to like so many people, so many young men, so many young black men to mm-hmm. have that sense of like, you get to have your feelings and you need to be in care of the people mm-hmm. in the world and the people yeah. that you love. Yeah. Go ahead,
3: so, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 but that, so that's it. And one of the things that I told him is that everyone in the family has a responsibility to other people in the family. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't do it. You don't get to just sit in your room and say he's annoying and I'm not going to do anything to help mm-hmm. Um So, and he has been, he's been improving and and actually doing a lot. So it took a while. It wasn't like one of conversation, course. but... He he started to really um you know come around and at least try, mm-hmm. um, and not only from his report but actually from his older brother's report mm-hmm. that you know he's been doing a little better. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. So that's been good. Um, and with Glenn, you know the interesting thing about him is that Glenn Jr. Jr. Yeah, mm-hmm. what he did was when he found out uh, first that he had ADHD, he smiled. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I looked over him. I said, w- w- "Why would you smile, man? You just found out you have ADHD." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, at least now I know, mm-hmm. you know." Mm-hmm. Um, so, talking to him about what his what you know his issues are has or hasn't been difficult. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the, he is open in the sense that. He'll believe that you know he has a problem thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll believe that he has a mental issue. How to treat that mental issue, yes. which is an ongoing thing, I think, in any family with anyone with a mental illness, yes. is how to treat it. It's mm-hmm. a totally different subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking to him about it and explaining to him that you know not everyone is going to be like me, and even you know under the surface, I'm not even like me, right? <laughs> like you can't you can't, you can't um, expect to say anything you want to me mm-hmm. right and then expect that everyone to just constantly forget about it mm-hmm. that is not reality mm-hmm. right like people are going to be angry mm-hmm. they're going to hold on to their anger and then you find yourself in a predicament where your mental illness has caused you to push away the thing that you need most in life,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? Which is a, a giant conundrum, right? Yeah. You need people to not push you away, but because you're mentally ill, you do everything to push them away. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted, I needed him to understand that, that mm-hmm. it is not that, you know, if you look at the way people exist with you, mm-hmm. right? Prior to you um, acting in a manner that, you know, um, makes them shun you a bit, you'll see how they really feel about you.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, And then so the mental illness is something that you need to be aware of. and You need to be aware of the things that happens that um, push people away. And as you become aware of those things, then you'll be you'll you'll be a lot more comfortable with people. and, And a lot more people will accept you, you know, for what you are.
0: Does he have tools?
3: Um, tools to in...
0: deal with his episodes, with his emotions, to yeah. like the things that are like, I mean, overwhelmed is such a powerful word. And you know, I often will tell like my girls, "You're overwhelmed." Like they're spinning. I always say, "Like you're spinning right now." I don't. I know you don't realize it, but you're moving. You're spinning around this house. You you might. You're probably overwhelmed. Like what's mm-hmm. going on? Um, And there's usually this, like I'm making these movements. I can't find (laughs) words to express these things. Like there are usually this mix of feelings that are like yes and, but they're not supposed to be yes and. I'm not supposed to be happy and sad at the same time. I'm not Mm -hmm. supposed to like love you and wanna slap you. I'm not Mm -hmm. supposed to be, feel guilty and also put up, I'm not supposed to feel all of these feelings all at the same time. And I do, and I'm overwhelmed. And so the fact that he is aware that he's moving through the world, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, overstimulated, um, I imagine it's, he needs tools.
3: Yeah. So um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's the short mm-hmm. answer. I don't know if he has the tools. He, we, medication is always an issue. Mm-hmm. Medication starts and it stops. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the medication. Mm -hmm. He likes marijuana, Mm -hmm. uh, as as with, I think, 99% of uh, mentally. Ill people mm-hmm. um, So we're working with that We also work on oh, Medical marijuana I'm mm-hmm. hoping to Hopefully get um, With him one day mm-hmm. We are We're doing okay now mm-hmm. um, In terms of um, he. We found a medication That worked He doesn't like Taking medication mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised That we ended up Changing the hospital Medication to just CBD mm-hmm. um, And the CBD He seems to be uh, Happy with it mm-hmm. It works very well I actually mm-hmm. did a good Amount of research on it for mood disorders mm-hmm. to kind of like relax you and mm-hmm. um, keep you kind of steady. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been very, very decent um, on it. So, and you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do with him is once he's able to settle down and start and not really think about the fact that he might be losing his mind, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, overwhelmed mm-hmm. with life, is to say, okay, now. Let's focus on getting you kind of like back into the society. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that he did on his own, which is really good and gives me an idea of how much he's maturing in terms of understanding what he needs to do, Mm -hmm. is he went out almost door to door, store to store, looking for a job and found one.
1: Really? (laughs) Yeah, he
3: actually found one. Um, So he's got a job. He's been working there fairly consistently. It hasn't been a long time, but it's long enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Is
0: it doing something that works for him?
3: it's only doing something that works for him in the sense that he's getting paid and it keeps him busy okay he he's really into music so okay. he wants to buy um certain types of equipment mm-hmm. and this helps and gives him the ability to set a goal mm-hmm. work towards it save your money and and kind of like start working mm-hmm. on that type of thing and also he started working he was kicked out of the, um his last school mm-hmm. um essentially um and so he's working on his ged now mm-hmm. Which four days a week he's got to go to um school and, and he's up and down, as mm-hmm. we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who has any, any anyone who's mentally ill, mm-hmm. you know, good good and bad. One day everything yeah. is perfect, next day everything sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking that that's working out well. Um, but also I have to say, embarrassingly enough, only because I grew up this way. One of the things that I think that has been helping him most is understanding his relationship with God.
0: Mm. That has
3: been a huge thing for him. Why do you say
0: embarrassingly um, enough? Only
3: embarrassingly enough because as I um, kind of worked my way through all of these issues, mm-hmm. I didn't give God the type of chance and the type of respect in in this case mm-hmm. that um, he d- he deserves. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the best way to put it, right? Mm-hmm. Because his word is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that. So as an example, he said, "You're the only one that loves me." Mm-hmm. Right? That should, if I had been doing my job, right? He would be. He would have been thinking. Way before we started kind of like going over the Bible mm-hmm. and understanding who God is and how he feels about you mm-hmm. and what he has, prepared, all of those things, mm-hmm. he would have been more in his mind, like, N- no, of mm-hmm, course you're not mm-hmm, the only one mm-hmm, that loves me. You know, mm-hmm. so
0: I would say you bring up a really interesting topic, and we're gonna, we have to talk about religion on this podcast because it's so deeply ingrained in like black culture. And what you bring up is like these different outside of what is kind of conventional ways of addressing mental illness, ways in which we um, figure out how to do it. I will say something else, like things that I use with my girls, I didn't realize how powerful breathing is. Like there's whole places dedicated to like teaching you how to breathe. And I and I promise you so much of like seeing the beginning of the stuff in the be like, and saying, just take a breath, can completely shift how far we go, you know, like how off the rails, how big it has to get is just taking some time um, to breathe and to take it all in. Um, and so I guess I want to, well, first of all, is there anything else you would like to share with us?
3: No, no, that's, that's pretty much it. Just that um, obviously, as you know, um, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that um, having anyone mentally um, ill in your family is um, is a struggle, mm-hmm. and it is a struggle that you have to, in a sense, in a sense, you have to give up hope that um, the person will ever be. Normal, let's say, and I'm I'm air quoting normal, but and I shouldn't say normal. You have to give up hope that the person will ever not be mentally ill, mm-hmm. um, you, you, and you have to understand that in order to kind of move on through life, that that can actually be the case. So, what do you do with um, the time that you have with mm-hmm. the person? That mm-hmm. becomes the most important question. What do you do with the time that you have with that person? Do you, you know, kind of shun them? Figure out what's the best way to, kind of like get on, mm-hmm. or do you say, okay, this is an illness that they have, and while they're well, while we're on this planet together, this is how, you know, our relationship needs to be, so that it's a healthy relationship mm-hmm. for the both of us.
0: So tell me, what is the dream you have for your sons?
3: I have the dream that whatever it is that they dream. That um, they're able to go toward that dream and understand that their dream for what they want to do doesn't have to match up with my dream for them in order for me to love them. Ugh. That's.
0: Glenn, that is... I'm gonna just like, <laughs> I'm a, uh, okay, sorry. So I'm gonna, um, thank you so much for sharing You're your welcome. story, for being so vulnerable and honest and open, I think. I know I learned so much from you today. I think the larger community is going to learn so much from you. Um, so thank you. You're welcome.
3: Thanks for inviting
0: me. Awesome. Thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck along your parenting journey. And know that I have your back. This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. How you mean, you know? Line sees adventure. Hold
2: up.